You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You seem like the relationship type guy. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. To the Forging Fury. Forging Fury. Forging Fury podcast. I kind of just want to hug you a little bit. Hey, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it. What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, and on today's episode of the Forging Fury podcast, alongside the executive producer, Michael Gray, we are with our best friend, Michael Stahl, as well. So, Michael and Michael. We're going to call Michael Gray, Michael, Mike Stahl, Mike. Sounds good. Just so we know. Do people ever call you Mike in your, like, family family life? No, not family life. Everybody outside of family. Everybody calls me Mike outside of family, too. Yeah. But so you call me Miggy, Miggy, and him Michael. I don't. It doesn't uh, that, matter. That could be. That could get problematic. Dude. Executive I, 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 producer. I wouldn't open up that window. We could slip up and lose all of our viewers. Got it. <laughs> so Mike is the first like ordained minister we've had on this podcast. Yes, we're open to all people now. We've got. We've had hellions like me on here every episode. Now we've brought in the big guns. We've had the lows. Now we've got the the highs. Right. Yes. So we're actually in Mike's garage gym, which we just threw down in, and it had a pretty good workout. Uh, we're in these quarantine times, but uh, it was just four of us, so we weren't doing uh, anything wild, but with a mass gathering. But he was lucky, and, or we were lucky enough to get an invite to come work out with him. So it's been pretty cool. So we're calling this uh, Wadden Pod. This is our first Wadden Pod. Yes, yes, and we're excited. Now to have, we're all sweaty and sticky. Yes, we're smelly, but Mike's not so much. But. You know, the Mike hasn't said a word yet, right? Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Mike, you guys <laughs> just look at each other. I don't know what's going on with the chemistry here. I'm trying to just feel you two out, and we'll go I'm, from there. I'm just trying to look at him and be like, "When are you going to let someone else talk?" Oh, <laughs> that's usually my fault sometimes too. But what, uh, tell us about the workout we just did, Mike. So we started off with squats, and so we don't have like a legit squat rack. We've got a yoke here in our garage and it goes to about six feet tall so i'm five nine my wife's five five uh, you can imagine riley and michael trying to get it off the squat rack banging their heads on the top <laughs> of the yoke we started with some squats then some lunges with the barbell front rack position oh yeah and then riley set up some crazy 20 minute am wrap where we're pushing the yoke down my alley kept getting stuck on the tar <laughs> so we, uh, we were burning it up did you it, smell that yeah we yeah. Uh, yeah you can I followed you, and you always just let, left it there on the tar each time. So I was like, "Boy, I got to get it off of this each round." Well, you brought it all the way back to the beginning each time for me. So I was like, added another five feet. That's right. You Appreciate can't win them all. Yeah. <laughs> also, Mike has this uh, sweet pull-up bar rigged to his wall, which is was just making me nervous the whole time. Why? <laughs> you're were you kipping? Is that? Yeah, I mean, it's just I've yet to do a lot of pull-ups on a like self-wall-mounted pull-up bar. So just you and know. it's still on the wall. Riley's so. got trust <laughs> trust issues. There. I definitely do. But I mean, I've just seen way too many YouTube videos. People come flying off that thing. So I was a little precautious. So we said what sled push, box step overs. We did thrusters and then pull-up. We did a pull-up toes, up, toes bar. bar type kind of uh, complex there. So yeah, 20, for, for 20, twenty minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was. It got, I was breathing heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah same. breathing real heavy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kristen, uh, Mike's wife, worked out with us too. Shout out to her. Uh, she's uh, entertaining their four children. Four children, yeah. Four, yeah. Four, four yeah. children. That's how uh, many we have? Yes. Tell us about your family, real quick. So yeah, I've got four kids. My oldest is uh, Easton. He's a boy. Obviously, he's four. Um, and then uh, we didn't know she could get pregnant that fast again after we had Easton, and uh, went to the doctor. 
they told us, hey, we got a surprise for you, like eight weeks. Uh, we were like, what's that? They Couldn't said, wait to get back to work, huh? <laughs> There's uh, <laughs> It's only six weeks. Oh, you have yeah. to wait. <laughs> so and we they, count down every day of those six <laughs> weeks. So they said there's two of them in there. And we're like, oh, we're having twins. And neither one of us have twins on either side of our family. So that was like a complete surprise. So twin boys, they're three. So four-year-old, twin three-year-olds. And then we went back and forth on if we wanted a fourth kid or not. And I uh, really wanted a girl. So we just figured, hey, we'll try one more time. Literally, we tried one more time. and Wow. Uh, you are efficient, sir. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're, uh, yeah, we can pop them out. Not anymore, though. Don't look we're, at my girl, all, man. We're You're all done. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore for sure? For sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. It'd, have, it'd have to be like adoption at this point. Okay. Yeah, everything's yep. been. Now, that procedure is not that bad, is it? Was I, it bad for you? No, I didn't have it. I didn't have it. Oh, you didn't? He wasn't the pers- procedure type. You well, made, her, like you made the, her give birth to four kids and then have the procedure? <laughs> so the twins were C-section babies. So Quinn was a C-section baby. And the doctor said, well, hey, I'll tie her tubes. And I looked at her. I said, look, you could do it. You don't have to. It's the least I can do go in and have that done. And she said, no, it's fine. I'm already going to be opened up anyway. They tied her tubes. I told him, you need to double knot those things because we can't have a fifth. And, uh, yeah. so Is that actually okay. physically possible to double knot them? Like, when they say tie the tubes, yeah, what I does don't that know. actually I was, mean? I was with the baby when the, the doctor was doing that. but I'm yeah. sure it's probably the same as a vasectomy would be, right? They just, yeah. they, they just yeah. cut it and then yeah, so, but caught her both ends. He told us it's, like, the more, I guess, definitive way for sure. Like, oh, okay. she won't get pregnant. Because even with the vasectomy, I think one can might still slip through or don't whatever. Say, don't but, say that. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. I actually have friends back home in yeah. Columbia that got, he got his, well, it got a vasectomy, thought he was good. There were still like rounds in the chamber, dude. And yeah, they had a boy. So they had three girls and then they had a boy after post vasectomy. Like so, soon after the vasectomy? Yeah. Okay. Well, that they, they warn you about that. He just didn't listen. Well, <laughs> you think you get a procedure done that it would work. Well, <laughs> we'll see Quinn's a year. So like, yeah, we're good. I think, I think we're out of the woods. <laughs> yes. Yeah, four so, kids is a lot. They're, you're you're yeah, outnumbered. Four, anyway. like the four, view, four and under. So vasectomy yeah, and then getting your tubes tied. Like the, one sounds so much more harsh than the other. Like I think vasectomy is like, <gasps> like, and, but then like getting your tubes tied. Yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah, don't tell a woman that. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that's why I'm childless. <laughs> right. I will say a vasectomy is not a big deal. I, I was worried about what it would be like, and it was nothing. So yeah, my wife was in there and actually watched. See, I've heard uh, from every like, guy it's like not bad. Nope. Uh, but then like one of my friends is just like it's the worst thing I've ever done, and so he kind of. I remember my dad like bit, rocking yeah. the like the big recliner and the like the green beans on his boys one day when I walked in from school, and I was like, "What's going on with dad?" He's like, "Brother." You don't want to know. No more siblings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No more Sorry. monsters running around this Sorry, house. Sorry, son. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. That's a that's a interesting dynamic of, of who, do, who do you decide to do that? Like, it's usually the man that, that gets the procedure done, yeah? Maybe not in this no, case. No, every... It's probably 50-50. I've, kind of, I've never heard of the woman having that done, to be honest, but... Oh, really? Um, yeah. I, I it's just, more common for the guy to get a vasectomy. It's, it would be easier to do, like, if she's, ha- if she's in a C-section and they're they're right there, then sure, that's easy. But to give to do that to a woman when she just walks in, that'd be harder. Yeah, yeah, I think. yeah that's kind of the logic behind it. But. So, was there any? I know that the boys, the twins, uh, Knox and Nash, there was a little bit of drama there. Yeah, with the delivery. Let's yeah. let's speak on that a little bit. So, at uh, 24 weeks, went in for just like a normal ultrasound. They figured out because they're identical twins, they shared a placenta. 
Um, so two cords hooked to one placenta. So how that works is like the placenta feeds nutrients back and forth between baby A and baby B. They did an ultrasound. They realized baby A uh, was 15 ounces. Baby B was almost two pounds. So he was almost like 100% bigger oh. than baby A. So we, what, Are we going to name which baby is A? Which yeah, baby so is baby A is Knox, <laughs> and then baby B is Nash. All right. So what that's called is, so that was like on a Thursday. That Friday we got sent to a specialist. They diagnosed Kristen and the the twins with what's called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. So that's when basically the nutrients were going from Knox, baby A, through the placenta, up the cord of Nash, and then the... Basically, the arteries on the way back from baby B to baby A were blocked. So the nutrients weren't going back. So what baby B was basically doing is he's drinking all the fluid, you know, urinating it out. And then Knox, baby A, was stuck to the placenta wall because his sac wasn't growing. So what happens when that that goes on is they'll diagnose you anywhere from like level one, which is pretty minor, to level five, like both twins are going to pass in the womb. And it can escalate within a matter of like hours. But there's no way for them to tell how quick it's going to escalate. So this was a Friday. I looked at the specialist and he said, hey, if this is my wife, uh, I would have her go get what's called a laser ablation surgery. And I said, well, where do you do that? And he named like five different cities in the United States. Uh, and I said, so where, where would you suggest is the best place to do it? He said, there's a doctor that does it up in Denver, Colorado. That, that's where I would go. So that was Friday. That Sunday, we were on a flight to Denver. And then that Tuesday, she had the surgery. And going into the surgery, uh, Knox, baby A, was in such bad shape that they basically, before she went into surgery, they didn't really prepare us. Um, they had asked us, um, you know, what are you going to do if baby A goes into distress during the middle of the surgery? You basically have a couple different options. You could either have him pass away in the womb, and then he'll just be born stillborn when baby B is ready to deliver, but you're going to give him the best option to grow. Or what will end up happening is we could deliver both of them and try to save them. But at 24 weeks, they have a very minimal chance to live. Wow. So there's really like in that moment, especially when she's like 20 minutes from being rolled back to go into surgery, there's nothing that can really like prepare you to make a decision like that. Um, And my mother-in-law, Linda, was up there with us. And I just kind of looked at her like, you know, what do you do here? Um, And even the look on her face was just kind of like, I have no idea. But we had decided to let baby A pass just to give baby B the best chance to live. Um, So the surgery was about two hours and uh, the surgeon came out and... um, and he said, hey, everything went completely perfect. Wow. It, was, it was a perfect surgery. They're both doing great. Um, your wife's doing great. And I was just like, you know, you have a lot of people that have been praying for you. I want you to know that, like, you were like the hands of God today. And he looked at me uh, and he says, uh, whatever helps you sleep at night. Wow. <laughs> so it was really, I mean, it just kind of shows you that that man has talent to do all kinds of things. But <laughs> Even then, I mean, we had somebody tell tell us, like, it'd be a miracle if they even made it to 26 weeks. And when they were born, they basically told us, like, hey, probably best case scenario is they'll be vegetables and grow until they're, like, 11 to 13, and then that's it. Um, Best case scenario is they're both going to have, like, ADHD. Uh, So now they're three and a half. They'll be four in September. Uh, She carried them all the way to 32 weeks. I kind of made a joke 
because she was on bed rest in the hospital for a month uh, with them. And I made a joke that she was going to make it till the beginning of September so they could be born in time for week one of the NFL season so they could watch Hell, the Cardinals-Patriots yeah. game with me. And so they actually made it to September 7th. And now, I mean, you can't even, if they're apart, you don't have any idea that they were premature or anything. They're, not at all. Especially Knox. I mean, he's not supposed to be here. Uh, so, yeah, he's our little miracle baby. and. Wow. Very aloof kind of takes. It's funny. We make a joke. It's like almost like every moment in his life is just given to him. So he's on <laughs> borrowed time anyway. Yeah. So he just walks around with a smile, loving life. But That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of the story. I of didn't them. know the full story. I knew yeah. that there was some controversy there, but that's amazing. Yeah. Even after that surgery, they split their sacks. So what the problem was is they're, they were swimming around in the same sack and they were at risk of cord entanglement. Mm-hmm. So that's what made her go into the hospital. So she was at Thunder. Thunderbird Hospital for 30 days, uh, basically on bed rest. I could go visit her and take her on like wheelchair rides, but keep in mind, like Easton was like one at the time and I'm like still a new dad. I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm getting up every day, like going on runs with Easton in the stroller. Cause we don't know what to do with our lives. Cause we knew we could go visit mom in the afternoons and she was going nuts in the hospital. It was a looking back at it. It was a really difficult deal, but I mean, we all made it through. So Good. So, and then going into the delivery with Quinn, were you guys on pins and needles? Like, not really. We were just kind of nervous that that first ultrasound where they show us how many, like the uh, how many kids are in there. <laughs> we were just on the way, just like, man, I hope there's only one because like twins are a lot of work, and especially if their their brother's only 14 months older than them. So, yes. yeah. Once we found out it was only one, we were like, fine. Uh, and then just everything was literally without a hitch with her. So what do you think that the biggest change in you and maybe in Kristen being parents, like what's, I mean, children change you. What do you think the biggest thing that you've taken away from having children? I think, I think the main thing is like, you know, we got married in our mid twenties. So it's not like we never had a chance to like go on vacations and everything like we didn't date that long we got married pretty quick and then Easton was born nine months and a day after we got married so like right away like you do not waste time no (laughs) that's what I'm telling you it doesn't it doesn't take as many opportunities to create kids so it's just (laughs) better uh, step back you're gonna get pregnant (laughs) step away from him um I think I have my tube stud it's (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a blessing but yeah I would think right away I mean almost you know, you'll know when you go to have kids, you don't know what you're doing. You bring that baby home from the hospital and you got all, a whole bunch of people telling you exactly what to do, but you have to kind of figure out, plow your own road. But it kind of made us grow up a little bit. Uh, when the baby's real little, you they're like a sack of potatoes. You could take them wherever with you. Uh, but then you start having three within like a year and a half of being married or whatever, or two and a half years of being married. It makes you grow up pretty quick. I mean, me as a man, like understanding when I go to work, like I need to work hard. It's not just me and my wife. I'm providing for but now I got three sons that are going to look at me and my work ethic they're going to learn that from me and a little daughter yeah and now like now we have her and and, the princess uh, is born yeah she has no chance at ever going on a date with anyone so it all works out or or I'm guarantee I'm gonna call it now one of the boys friends uh I don't know I guarantee it I don't need any guns or anything I got three sons and I'm a pastor so uh good the guy's gonna be intimidated coming through he wants to come knock at the door it's gonna be like bad boys too so you had to you had to mature two two ways fast. Like I always say, the two things that mature your most is marriage and having kids. So you got married nine months later, had kids. So you had yeah. a lot of just like fast growing track. efficiency. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I think like the the thing with Kristen and I is her and I were we were raised in similar manners. So her and I see things eye to eye. Like even our marriage, like we celebrated five years of being married in October. And I can probably count on like two hands how many times we've gotten in like big arguments about stuff. And it's always kind of stupid stuff that, that I'm bringing up. So <laughs> Sounds um, familiar. Yeah. She says the same thing. It's always your fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> she's, she's the stable one. Um, but no, I, I think like the marriage thing, all we heard the whole time we were engaged is how hard marriage is. And for us, we're, we work together well. We make a good team. The parenting thing is definitely there's days where we go to bed and we're like, man, we didn't do a good job today. Uh, but at the end of the day, every day is new. Uh, so we're not, you know, too hard on ourselves. We, we just try to do the best we can. For me, having kids was harder on our marriage than anything else. Like you always kind of feel like you screwed up as a parent some days, but like, when you're not sleeping, the kids aren't sleeping. It's hard to, to be married in a positive way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's always something that was hard for us. Yeah. I mean, all of our kids, we've gotten really lucky. All four of our kids have slept like champions since we brought them home from the hospital. So they sleep like 11, 12 hours a night. I mean, even nice. Quinn, like we put her to bed. She doesn't, she's been teething, doesn't wake up. So I don't know. We just got lucky. <laughs> Hit the jackpot. Yeah. What the deal is. Cause we have friends that like, you know, their kids have like night terrors and all kinds of stuff. And, um, we did haven't, you, did you use a book to help that. you with or is it just natural? No, we've been very disciplined with like, you know, what their schedule is. Like Kristen does a very good job at keeping them on a schedule. So very, like they do the same thing at the same time every day. They go to bed at the same day. We're very intentional. If we go out at Sounds night, like my life, well, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's why that's you just, love sleep right now. That's how we roll. So yeah, we're very regimented in everything that we do. So I think that when the kid has consistency, I think it's helpful. Did you read baby wise at any point? In your mm-hmm. I think Michael gets money by telling people about Baby Wise because he tells everyone about this affiliate fee. I believe that <laughs> if your kids sleep well, not only are you going to have better, well-behaved kids, you're going to have healthier kids, you're going to have a healthier marriage too. So when we went to visit Sean Woodland, I got him that book. It's very much like what you're saying. It's, it's have a system. And when you um, are breastfeeding early, you do that at a certain time and then yeah. you put kids down at a certain time and it teaches them how to be good sleepers. Well, it's like us, you know, like I do better. You love sleep too, Riley. Come on. Sorry. (laughs) I love sleep, but that book gets more plugs than any other sponsor we've had on this podcast. (sighs) Don't know what you want. I love it. It made a difference in my life. We got to find the author and write it like right to him. My kids sleep well. His kids sleep well. I'm telling you, it's important to have kids that sleep well. Sorry. We interrupted you. (laughs) Preach. So if you haven't kind of put two and two together yet, Mike is a pastor. We're going to, we're going to open this up and chat about it. Um, you were talking about going to seminary. When did you go through seminary? Where? And, and tell us that journey. Yeah. So I went to, uh, coming out of high school, I had a full ride scholarship to, uh, Arizona state university. Um, I was ready to go. I wanted to be a sportscaster. I wanted to be on sports center. I love sports. So, uh, two months before I was ready to start school, just really had a change in my heart. Uh, went to Bible college. It's now called Arizona Christian University. It's on like 51st Avenue in Thunderbird or something like that. My nephew goes there now. Oh yeah. And, um, and so then graduated from there. Um, I've always been on like 
part-time staff at churches, never paid to do it. Uh, always helped at like brand new church plants. Um, so then I've always just worked in like the regular, a regular job. And then I started going to seminary to get my master's and people hear the word seminary. I don't know what they associate it with. It's just like a master's degree for churches. The difference is it's like 90 plus credits. So like an MBA is like 30 something credits. Um, uh, you know, master's in divinity is up upwards of 90 credits because you're taking greek hebrew all kinds of different stuff so that's really cool i didn't know that well yeah yeah, what's hard is like a lot of the stuff i took in my undergrad was like repeated in seminary just i guess at like a higher level but uh yeah i mean it's it's definitely a grind i'm still not done with it yet because we started having kids quickly and i was working and so i didn't have time to finish it i'm about halfway done with it but yeah, that's that's where I'm at now. And then did I miss where you said you're doing seminary through Phoenix Seminary? Phoenix Seminary. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, what's been the most challenging part about going through seminary? Like, what what schedule or what class have you have the most trouble with? I think probably like the languages are the hardest because uh, you're just it's not like I've taken my full Greek sequence so four semesters of Greek and it's not like Greek like I could go over to Greece and like read the words on the signs and stuff but I might not know what they mean because it's biblical Greek so the Bible was written in what's called Koine Greek so I could sit there and like go through the New Testament and translate it but um yeah, it's not real. Like, I can't go over to Greece and have a conversation with Giannis or anything like that. That'd be cool, not, Yeah, it would be cool, but it's <laughs> totally, uh, yeah, totally not applicable to any part of my life but when I preach, so. And you're currently working with the church right now. Yeah, Plug so, your church. Yeah, so I'm on uh, full-time staff uh, at Desert Springs Community Church it's on 144th Avenue in Indian School. Uh, so started there last May. They brought me on staff. I was in the financial world. That was like my real job that paid the bills. I worked in the financial world and then uh, started going to Desert Springs, and, and they wanted to... Uh, what's called plant two churches by 2022. That was kind of the goal of the church. And I've always like, since I was 18 out of high school, I've always wanted to start a church from scratch. And so when the pastor kind of said that I had lunch with them just to see what they would want to do. So they brought me on staff full time in May to plant my own church. So basically take everything from scratch and start it. So my church will launch January of this coming year, January, 2021. That's pretty cool. Are you still on track with that with the COVID thing is, is that <laughs> yeah so far we'll see how how long this all lasts it's kind of pushed a, a few dates back like I was supposed to have a meeting at my church this Sunday to kind of get a good pool a gauge of who's coming with me to help me plant so obviously that's been pushed back but I, I have like an email newsletter that I send out that it's grown to almost 300 people so that's been pretty cool so trying to cultivate that email list can I sign up for that yeah you can <laughs> everybody can sign I'll up I'll be there open so. today um so yeah it's a uh, it's exciting but it's it's definitely a lot of work. I tell people it's like starting your own business, but you try to get like a hundred people that are like your employees, but they're volunteers and then motivate them and mobilize them to do what we need to do as a church to reach the community. So yeah, but you only work one day a week. So yeah, what's so, so hard yeah Sundays, it's, it's all pretty simple. So. so we've talked about this a little bit on a couple episodes, but, and Michael, we've talked about this kind of behind or off pod um, of the similarities of a CrossFit gym and a church. Yeah. This is something that I want you two to talk about because I just, I've heard both sides and you've both right. kind of had conversations so about it. I'll lay out my case then. And okay, I come think on. you'll totally agree. Okay. I think that there, 
exactly the same, except one deals with spiritual fitness and one deals with physical fitness. Other than that, they're essentially the same. Well, I would go even further and I'd say like, okay, so something that the church doesn't do nearly as well as CrossFit is the community aspect. If anything, the church gathers one day a week. If your church has Saturday night services, it's Saturday night. If your church is Sunday mornings, people are there Sunday mornings. Hold on, there's church on Saturday night? Some churches. Oh, yeah. party on. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, screws you, up college just, football season, but it's yeah. all good. You just go one of those nights. So you okay. don't go on Saturday and then yeah, you Sunday. Yeah. You, you pick which is most convenient. Hearing oh, the you. same thing twice, that's not very fun. Okay, so but. what about the CrossFit community that you think is, is special? Well, I think like the, the people go and they get to know each other. So you're working out. I, I think there's something to be said of like when you're sweating next to somebody and you're suffering next to somebody, uh, you kind of look at that dude in the eyes and like, man, we both are, are going through the same thing. The church, it's a little easier to hide. So like when we went through our thing with the twins, like we had a ton of people at church because we were going through a moment in our life where things were particularly difficult. People rallied around us. They wanted to support us. They wanted to pray for us, whatever. At CrossFit, it's almost like you're doing that. You're suffering every single day. Everybody's kind of had the same like-mindedness when they walk in the gym. At church, you could just walk, sit in, leave, drive right out of the parking lot and not talk to anybody. Um, so that's kind of the, the difference that I see. Like the church can even do stuff a little bit better than, than what they do now. Would you anticipate your church having that CrossFit community feel? Is that the goal? Yeah. I mean, well, if you know me, like I'm outgoing, I'm very like extroverted. So for me, I want people, I want to build a church where like people are living life together and not in like a weird way. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, people are there like kind of rooting, rooting one another on supporting each other. So really doing it based off of like small communities of people who are getting together every week, uh, not to sit there and beat each other over the head with Bibles, but to just build each other up. When people are going through stuff in life, you got a community of people of faith around you that are able to, to basically live on the same page as you uh, and encourage you through dark moments. So that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, I think going back to what you said about like going through struggles together at CrossFit, like what I've always said is the struggles with CrossFit are on the surface, right? Like you're looking at a guy who worked out before you like those thrusters, dude, I'm with you. Those suck. Like you can identify with yeah. that, but at church, you're not like, dude, that addiction to porn, dude, I'm totally with like, you For don't, sure, you don't yeah. have that conversation because yeah, it's like, below the surface. Yeah. You're not walking yeah. in. Like I cheated on my wife this week. Uh, so that, that, that's uh that takes a little bit of like digging. Right. Yeah. And so, so it is hard. It's going to be harder no matter what, but at the same rate, that's where CrossFit has an advantage because the struggle is shared on the surface. Whereas with church, it's, it's below the surface and a lot of people can hide, like you said, well, much better. I think like if you're going to go just check a box of fitness, you're not going to go to CrossFit because you know it's going to be difficult. I think like if you're going to just want to check a box, you're going to go sign up at Lifetime and go through like one of their classes or just go push some machines around or whatever you want to do. Shots fired at Lifetime. I'm not trying to shoot. <laughs> it's just what's out <laughs> here. <laughs> LA Fitness, Esporta, they're all the same. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. But no, you get what I'm saying. Like you're not, you're, CrossFit's aggressive. I mean, you go to it, you know it's going to change your life. Church has the ability to do that. But like, for example, Riley had no idea I was a pastor until like probably eight, nine months after I met him. <laughs> because I don't lead with, hey, my name's Michael. I'm a pastor. Even when people ask me what I do for a living, I'm always just kind of hesitant because right away, like a wall is built. Like I'm where... a community organizer? <laughs> <laughs> of sorts. I'm a man of people. Yeah, so it's, uh, I know 
know right away if I'm like, hey, my name is Michael. I'm a pastor. I'm not really going to know 100% of the person. But right, you're going to get Well, he turned. tricked me into like being super comfy with him. Then he dropped the pastor bomb. I'm like, dang, dude, you think I'm going to double hell. <laughs> well, eventually you're going to find out what I do for a living. So. But that was, yeah, that was the first time that I've ever met a human that's in that realm that I had, when he told me, I was almost shocked. I was like, are you, are you serious? Like, you're the like the most the most woke pastor I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, is that a good thing or yes. a bad thing to you? No, I don't know. I try to I I balance it. So here's the thing. Like I went to Christian school since seventh grade, all the way up through college and then my master's degree. So I think I've always been around Christian people and I need to be around uh other people because it kinda allows me to see AKA sinners. No, I we're all sinners. Let's just make that very clear. Say it louder. Uh, <laughs> um I think I, I think for me it's beneficial to understand like what's going on in the world. Like how are you really going to understand how to minister to people's needs if you're living on some level that they they can't attain? Like I struggle just like everybody else does. So I, I think for me it's important to get plugged into a place like CrossFit where I could be among people who have different beliefs than me. I can see what they what they do in life and we're all the same people <laughs> we're blowing your cover by the way after this like everyone it's all right yeah well, that's if fine. you're gonna come out well not come out <laughs> but you know if you're gonna tell people you're a pastor this is a great platform for that but you know what if you go to a church all those people are doing the same stuff they're just hiding it that's the thing oh well, not all of them yeah, but I'm, just like, saying, I'm not we're living like a life of debauchery or anything <laughs> like that but like i i know i i, I just debauchery I, is such a good word what a great word <laughs> debauchery <laughs> oh. <laughs> try to be fancy uh, <laughs> no i i just i try to appear as normal as i can because at my core like you know i'm I'm a normal guy, so very, very chill, dude. Very, very, uh, very normal guy for for a pastor. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. That's that's from previous evidence. Do you know a lot of pastors. That I, are not I've normal met. Guys? I mean, I've grew up around the church. People with church people, like you know, I just never really found that kind of my my niche with that kind of group of people because you know I'm a hellion. But if you, this is the scenario that I kind of tell people: like, if you put up on a whiteboard, like, hey guys, we're gonna do Murph three times a day. I'd be like, okay, dude, we can figure this out. I feel like I can, I'll figure this out. I can do this. But if you put up on another whiteboard, like, hey, we're going to go to church for the next, every Sunday for the next month, I'm going to be like, (laughs) I don't don't know if I can do it. I'm tapping out. I just, uh, for me, I, I grew up Catholic and, and didn't have the best experience or kind of, uh, I would say relationship with God and that, and that uh, community and very stringent rules and strict guidelines. And that guilt is strong. Yeah, I have, well, yeah, he tells me I have the Catholic guilt all the time, which is kind of funny, but, but real. Um, but I've never really, I don't know. It's a level of vulnerability for me to go to church. Cause like, you know, I just, I just have a struggle with that. Well, I mean, think about, think about someone like me coming into CrossFit for the first time. Like it wasn't, it was not easy. I've got a relationship with food that is not, you know, fit. So you have to just, it's just important to be able, be open to bettering yourselves in areas where you don't normally well, go. And there's parallels to it. So when Kristen and I started CrossFit, like we started in Fury, 
um, we were going to go like in May of last year and it took us all of May. Like we were getting on Fury's website to check the, uh, workouts and we're like, Oh, we can't go to that place. We don't fit in at that place. And then we came to like one of the free Saturday workouts and like, we're not, we're not like ready for the CrossFit games or anything, but we're not like, you know, have a rough time with it. Um, and we sat in our car for like 20 minutes on a Saturday in the parking lot at Fury, like nervous to go in. Like these people might not accept us, but yet like what Riley's saying, like you tell me to go check out another church. I can't Easy. wait to go. Cause I'm gonna be like, man, this was wrong. This was wrong. This was wrong. <laughs> I get like sweaty hand syndrome. When yeah. You don't need to. to. When, uh, I just a couple weeks ago, Michael invited us to church and I'm like, initially I'm like, nah, man, uh, like I got stuff I got to do. I can't like my, like my dog ate my keys, which ate, <laughs> then they, my other key, like I, I get those walls I'm up. I'm like, dude, just get up and come. Like, what's <laughs> he so doesn't understand hard? that like 90% of the people in there have sweaty hands. Right. Too. I reversed that thought. Like, okay, what about this is, is making me nervous. Is it because like there's something in me that's, it's bothering me about. So, and it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I want to go towards it. Like if it's like, oh, I'm not sure, then I should probably do it. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going for that one rep max lift. You're looking at it you're like, I don't know, this is going to be sketchy. I may, I might not, I might, I may do it. I may not. But that's that same feeling for me walking into a church as yeah. well. Maybe. Well, and same with cross, like you were saying with CrossFit, you come in and you don't know all the lingo. You don't know all the moves. Yeah, like it's, it, yeah. it's going to be awkward. Yeah. Even, even on your first month, first two months, you're still, I'm still learning today. So yeah, me and Michael talk about this all the time, but this is one of my favorite questions to ask people that are really involved in churches let's say there's, you know, a gathering at the pearly gates and you get there and the, you say like, oh, the, the Muslim people, they were right. Or the Jewish people, they were right. Or the Christians were right. There's only can be one right one. I'm guessing it's the Mormons, but yeah, exactly. What if we get to the pearly <laughs> gates and it's the Mormons or the, you know, seventh day Adventist or the Jehovah witness that were correct? Like how, how do you, how do you know? Mike, I'll let you take that <laughs> yeah. one. This is a question that like non-religious people w- want to spend a lot answer. of fun going to CrossFit Fury. <laughs> Thank God I've got this squat rack in my garage. Um, Quarantine never sounded so good. No, I I personally believe that there's only one way to heaven. And that is through belief in Jesus Christ. That He died. He resurrected. Uh, when He died, He died for our sins. That is what. Uh, my belief is, as a Christian, uh, that is what differs us from any other faith um, with the intricacies of Jesus. I think most people would agree that Jesus was a good teacher. He was a good philosopher. I personally believe Jesus is my Savior. So Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Um, that is that is what makes me, I guess, as a Christian, differ from other religions. So in Christianity, we call it apologetics, where we, we study other religions to defend our own faith. So to understand, like, okay, what is different between a Muslim and a Christian, a Catholic? and a Christian, a Mormon and a Christian. And and I'm not the type that's going to like attack those people. I want to sit there and understand like, I think a lot of Christians don't understand what they even believe. So like, do you, when you sit there and can talk with a Mormon, I, I have friends that are Mormons, like you talk with them, like what do they truly believe? Yeah, that's a, I mean, with any, anything you really identify with, like 
people are like, where we can even be sports teams are like, why do you like that team? Or like, why are you here? They don't even really know. Like, yeah. why are you vegan? Well, because I love animals. Okay, but besides that, why? That's like well, Heidi with Ohio State. She's like, we're Ohio State fans. I'm like, name one player on Ohio State's football <laughs> Please, team. Please, don't. T- is Heidi really Ohio State fan? She is. Oh, she's fired. Her family. Yeah, we're we're out. She's out. I married into it. So I, wow. for some reason, I hate Michigan right now. I don't know why. I just, <laughs> See? I have like to. That's, and that's how ideas and ideology kind of, well, not ideology, but like certain things that people grasp to, like that's just the way it is. Well, because I grew up, like I was born, I've gone to church my entire life. So there had to come a point there where it just had to stop being like what my mom and dad raised me to be. And I had to like figure it out on my own. So you'll see a lot of people who go to like Christian school, they'll get to college and they just go a different direction. Because I don't really know if that foundation that set has been necessarily real. Uh, so for me, it's been something that I've had to like dig into, and and at least the research I've done, like I, I Even can't really. Pastors' kids are that way. Yeah. Like you grow up with your dad as the pastor of a church. A lot of times they go off a different different way once they get yeah. Get out. Did Jim Michael was a preacher's kid? Yeah. Oh well. Still are you a preacher's so, kid? Your no, dad a preacher? No, my dad worked in credit. Oh okay. So well, yeah, kind of like a preacher. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> okay, another question. Are all sins created equal? If all sins are the same, are the same sin? What, like, tell me, the is there a radius? Is there a scale of sin? I didn't realize this was like an ordination service for me. Oh, um, I, I didn't. I, these are just questions I have. No, yeah, all sins are equal. A sin is a sin. Like, a sin, in my mind, is, is disobedience to God. So whether I'm lying or murdering, that's disobedience to God. Now, is every sin, like, the same level? No. Okay, I so there's levels. Like, uh, I, I don't think, like, murdering somebody and lying is the same thing. So, no, I, I think, like, yeah, sin is sin. Like, no matter what... How however you slice it but i think you do have to realize like the sin that you have does have deep-rooted effects and can branch off and affect other people based on what sin that is so that's that's how i see it i like it yeah so i like how you clarified that they are equal, but they're not the same right. level. Like that's important because I think people are like, "Well, you jaywalked, you're going to hell." Just, <laughs> just like this guy who was raping people over here, like that. Yeah, that. I mean, that's what people think. That's what how we think, but it's like, oh no. I mean, obviously, there's going to be different consequences for different things right. that are happening. So all the same, but not not level. There's different levels. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous to use that word levels. Okay, no, I think okay, like okay, no you levels. know, sin is there's sin. However, you look at it, but yeah, there's different. There's different types of sin that have bigger ramifications to them. Okay. Question number three. What I love about this is this is not my idea. Like, no, this is this all is just all, all coming of, from all of my heart. Totally like, this is all no. stuff that yeah. I've always, I mean, we've this talked about this. could over like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a little more uh, comfortable probably. So three. Like sweating. Over why there. is there so many different versions of the Bible? Like, ah. don't you think if there was one Bible, it'd all be the same? And if there are different versions, don't you think it could be translated to mean different things to different people? Double parter. Sorry. It was like those two things on Cards Against Humanity, the double cards. No one now you're says. talking just like the Christian Bible. So yes, just the Bible. So there's like, the why King, is there James a King James, version. New King James, NIV, Oh, all who's that New stuff. King James? He's just the New King. Is that King, just LeBron bro. James? Yeah. Is there a LeBron James version? <laughs> not yet. No, we call not. him King Jim for short. <laughs> King <Yeah>. Jim? <laughs> so no, I... Okay, so the Bible is obviously the best-selling, most historical document ever. Have you ever read Harry Potter? I have not. We, right. can get, we, can get, <laughs> we can get Kristen out here to talk okay, about going, Harold sorry. Potter. Um, <laughs> Harold. So with the Bible, like it's written in, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, the New Testament's written in Greek, Jesus spoke in a language called Aramaic. So with that, the Bible's written 
and on different types of material, papyrus, it's handed down over time orally because the people can't read. Uh, so then the Bible's taken on variations. So what we call that today is what's called textual criticism. So when you get to, so like the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, it was able to confirm a lot of what the Bible's saying. It was like word for word accurate. Now there are like thousands of discrepancies with like, plural versus singular, capitalization, like where to put punctuation, what happened. But what's amazing about the Bible is no matter what version that you're reading of the Bible, none of the text criticism that's ever happened has actually been to deny any of the core tenets of our faith. So none of that really pops up. So when you take like Greek in a seminary, you do what's called text criticism, where you come to a word and a Greek verb could mean a hundred different things. And you start to see that when they're trans translating that from Greek to English, and I'm sitting there as the translator making that decision on what that one Greek verb can use. So for instance, like in the Bible, like the English Standard Version, they had to make a decision on if they wanted to use the word slave. Because slave in America, how we look at the word slave is completely different than what a slave was in Bible times. I'm thinking New Slaves by Kanye West. Right. So, and that's how, that's how most of us would think of it. So if I'm up there preaching and I'm like, you need to be, you know, a slave or like the Apostle Paul saying, I'm a slave to God. That's the Greek word doulos. Doulos is like, I'm a servant to God. And so slaves weren't like, they weren't like indentured servants, like abused, like going to have, have to work the field. They owed a debt and they lived in a house. They were treated properly all that stuff. Um, but like a word like that, it could take in the NIV, it could be called something else. So that's where you have different versions and how they translate the Greek, but none of it really massively affects any of the core doctrines. So, so uh, an example of this and like how I think maybe the Bible has ch- maybe changed. I don't know. I don't know much about the Bible, but you ever hear someone like my dad has the same story that he loves to tell like through my whole childhood. I and mean, we won't go into the story cause it's very inappropriate, but Every time he would tell the story to someone else, it would change just a little bit. And then the next time he'd tell it, it would change just a little bit. So like, as these people are like giving the Bible orally, do you think that there was any, ever any, like they just put their own spin on it? Or like, I'm going to freestyle Peter this time, you know, like with that, you believe that the Bible is what's called like the inspired word of God, that those people who wrote scripture were inspired to write that by the Holy Spirit. And then it's what's called inerrant. So it's without error. Like, I don't think there's, there's some error in there that some dude in like 1400 decided decided to change a couple paragraphs of the Bible. There's enough copies of it. It's been handed down like the historical. So there's a book called The Case for Christ. It's a it's a really good book because Lee Strobel was an atheist. He was a court reporter and he went on like a search to understand, okay, Christianity, how is this real? And he does a phenomenal job at kind of outlining all that stuff. Not to just like off put this to a book, but I mean, there's been books written about what you're asking me about. So there's also like a, like a very, uh, my therapist gave me a sexual addiction book one time that I that I'm still waiting to read. So there's that. There's a case for Christ, and then the sexual addiction book in my trunk. So that was just those are just questions that like I struggle with personally when it comes to religion, and like a lot of people that I've met have have kind of asked me about too. And and I don't know enough about the Bible and know enough about religion to make like certain stances. So 
I'm fluid. Like I, I can go, I can be molded to like to believe something other than what I believe now. Well, I think the main thing people think is like with Christianity, like before they jump into it, they have to like fix themselves. Like I have to get fit before I do CrossFit. Right. Exactly. Exactly the same. So I need Parallel to number seventy-seven. <laughs> I can't have I can't have this issue and this issue and this issue and walk in a church. But the reality is like it's not us that fixes ourselves. It's God that does that. So you have to be willing to like, so there's a, there's a church I love in Texas. They say the term, like, it's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay that way. So there's always like you grow. I mean, you come into church and and you're not going to have it all together. But it's not okay to be fat. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. It's it's okay. If you, I mean, if you are, you just don't want to stay that way. Just like your religion, your health is in your hands. Well, yeah. Yeah. Just like you can, your relationship with God is, is on you and your health is on you. Parallel number 73. Yeah. So what I would, my challenge to that would be like, if, if someone is out of shape, what's the thing that they need to take the steps to start getting in shape, even if it's awkward, even if they're not sure how to do it, like that would be something that would be important. So I think if you feel like, Hey, from a spiritual perspective, I have no idea what I'm doing, at least move forward. Like, I always think it's funny people who say I'm agnostic, which means I believe God may or may not exist. I don't really care, or I don't really know. Nobody can know, but they live their life completely as if they're atheists. They don't go to church half the time and not go to church half the time because that's what an, a true agnostic would do. I don't know, so I'm going to look around and just see what's out there. But what they say is, well, I don't know if God exists, so I'm going to act like he doesn't exist, and they won't even think about darkening the door of a church. Open up that conversation that we had on the plane back from uh, San Jose. and oh you're And <laughs> which conversation are we talking about? <laughs> but it's like we were talking about people that an atheist can see all the bad in the world, but they can't yes. yeah, this go is, into that. This is a quote from a guy I listened to, Dennis Prager, who's a Jewish like talk show host. And Prager he, University. Shalom. Yeah, that guy. He, he says that it is true that if, if I'm a religious person, I do have to answer for the bad that's in the world. Like that's a, upon me to answer for that. But if you're an atheist, you have to answer for all the good that's in the world. So, you know, if, if that falls on us to, to look at the bad and try to explain it, then as an atheist, you got to look at the good stuff and try to explain why there is music, why birds and animals are beautiful, and why when I go hiking in the mountains, it's such a beautiful sight. Where does it, you have to explain that is what I would say. Yeah, that victory lap on the Daytona 500, boy, if that ain't the most beautiful thing on God's green earth. <laughs> ain't first, you're last. <laughs> but like, I, that quote stuck with me. Like, we had that conversation maybe about two months ago, and I was like, how do you explain all the good stuff? Like people say all the time, like, well, why did God allow that to happen? Like something bad happened. God allowed a plane to crash. Well, you know, how many planes take off and and land every single day? And nobody's like, yeah, good job, God. You know, (laughs) it's like, we're just going to blame them when things go wrong. Uh, We don't live in like a utopia paradise where everything's perfect. Uh, The world's a broken place. That's why we're sitting in my garage because there's coronavirus right now. Well, Well, it's not like God's like flicking the planes out of the sky either. Like we don't (laughs) feel that way. Like, Ah, that that one, I don't want that. Yeah, it's not like he's up there like shaking his fist at us like, you guys have done wrong. Now let me make this happen. My question is like, why would I want to serve a God that's like that? Like just some fickle dude up in heaven just trying to dictate things based on his own will. That's not who he is. Well, and honestly, like I've had bad interactions with my kids, with Carson, that if if you just took a snapshot of a 10-second conversation I had with him when I was angry and I angrily put him in timeout or did something like if that's the view you have of me as a father, then I would be a jerk. Nobody would think I should have kids. Well, which but, some people think, 
I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> but even more like God's not like that at all. So like with my kids, I'm not always the best dad. He's he's the the perfect father. So he's he's a view a view of him like God is just. So everything that happens, in my opinion, is is fine because God's just and God's sovereign and God's up there and He can stand outside of time. He knows what's going on. So who am I like a God that's infinitely wiser than I am? Who am I to sit there and question that? So if I can just manipulate God to to my mind. I don't want that to be my God because I can just become that. Well, don't you think though that we as religious people, like we say God is in control of things. And if, and if we say that and someone experiences like the loss of a parent before his or her time, like that kind of falls on, on him. I'm thinking like from a non-church perspective, you know, that, like that falls on why is he allowing it to happen? That was going to be my last question. It's oh, like, okay. how do you explain certain? Well, I mean, un- we do, we do have to answer for that because if we say that, that he's in control, then he's in control of the bad stuff too. So Yeah, well, I think like at the foundation of the world, like you look at Adam and Eve, like my theology would say Adam and Eve lived in a perfect garden. It was a perfect world. They sinned. It broke the world for sin. So because of that, we see a marred version of the world. Like this is not perfect. That's why kids die of cancer. That's why people's lives are taken too young. That's why bad things happen to good people. So for me, my answer to that is because the world's broken and the world's sinful, but it's really hard for me to like step outside of my theology to answer that question because like my whole worldview is based on what my theology is. So back to like what happened with our twins, I wasn't sitting there like, God, why are you making this happen? Like I, I, uh, like Riley, you posted something on our, on our Facebook page the other day, that dude saying like, oh, bad stuff happened. Good. Like how am I willing? Yeah. So like that guy, he's saying like, oh, I didn't get that promotion. Good. Like in James, it says like, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various sufferings, knowing that the steadfastness of how you interact with those sufferings produces faith. So like, how are you in those sufferings? Like what, what do you see it as? What is the Lord doing in that moment? He's not like, hey, I'm going to, you're like, my dad is 62 years old and he has Alzheimer's. I don't think God's trying to like, you know, shake his fist at me or my mom or my dad or my sister. It's more more like, okay, this is a new rhythm in life where I have to understand like, you know, my dad's brain is broken because it's, it's been broken, but yet it's not God's fault that it is. It's sin's fault that it is. So like, if you can't have that belief that like at the end of all things, God will make the crooked path straight. God will return and things will be perfect. We have to understand like the best thing I ever tell people is if you're a Christian, this is as close to hell as you're ever going to get here on earth. And if you're not a Christian, this is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get here on earth. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that. So that's and that is why that is my pastor right there, dude. Woke <laughs> Pastor Mike Stall. That's in book twenty twenty, Mike Stall, dude. All right, uh, now we're gonna take the offering. So, no, and kidding. we're gonna put a dollar in the box. No, but what we're gonna come right. across it with like headphones. Right here from now on. But, yeah. but what you say makes sense. I mean, if you just if you look at God through just kind of a superficial lens, like He's just up there controlling things, then it does make sense to say, well. He's, he does the good stuff and he's part of the bad stuff, but you, you're saying you've got a deeper understanding and you get that from going to church on a weekly basis and studying and that's part of the growth process. Yeah. I think for me, like the Bible's real, like the Bible is, uh, it, 
I don't understand. I don't understand for me, like I've been in church my whole life. I don't understand why I could go up to somebody who's not a Christian and they're going through something in life. And I just ask them, Hey, can I pray for you? And they say, rarely you get people that'll tell you no. Uh, but you ask them, can I pray for you? Well, yes. And then you start praying and they start crying. Like, where does that come from? Where does that emotion come from? Like that, that to me has always been like a telltale sign of like, man, this is real. Like, this is a real thing. And like, I don't live life like, uh, you know, I don't know. My life's like not anti-fun or like my, my relationship with my wife isn't like anti-normal. Like we, we look just like normal people. It's just like my faith like dictates the decisions I make. It, It dictates the way that I treat my wife, the way that I treat my kids. And I think it could be said of any worldview that you have. It kind of is gonna, like if you like to sit and play video games all day, it's gonna affect the way that you think about things. Uh, but for me, like my faith isn't like a game to me. It's it, well, it's kind of what I do for work. So um, <laughs> it, it's my job to, to do that. So. And now you do it on podcasts. Dude, we got him fired up. That's, I saw a little bit of that uh, past, the most woke pastor right, right there. Little T.D. Jake's going on <laughs> yeah. inside of him. Jeez. But what, what do you say to people that have said like, okay, I've done so much sinning, it's too late for me. Is it like, like what if you're just a hellion? And like, yeah, so like I, I think what, what people will criticize if they listen to this, they're like, well, every answer he has comes from the Bible, but like, what do you expect me to do? Um, <laughs> so the, the apostle Paul, uh, wrote like half the new Testament. Um, Paul was somebody who was Jewish to like the nth degree, like perfect little Jewish kid grew up when Christianity was exploding after Jesus had died and resurrected. The apostle Paul is killing Christians because they're basically trying to, you know, Christians are pushing out the Jews. So he's going around persecuting Christians. Basically he's like a religious terrorist. That sounds like some gang shit, right? Well, (laughs) (laughs) he was like the OG. Oh yeah. So Paul is doing that. Uh, the worst type of person that you could possibly think of, that's who he was. And then Jesus meets him at the road to Damascus. He converts to Christianity, and he ends up writing over half the New Testament. Like, you're not as bad as what he was. Like, I've seen people in church, like, I have, like, a, I've lived, like, my life, it's not got some multiple chapter books of everything that I've done wrong. But I know, like, beyond the shadow of a doubt, like, it doesn't matter. Again, it goes back to, like, you don't need to fix yourself to come to God. Like, God's not, God's not sitting up there like, man, Riley, like, I can't redeem you. Like, you've done so much bad stuff. Like, like what you've done is like at the at the in the hands of God at the snap of a finger he forgives you of your sins and that's what's called grace that's what's called forgiveness and like when you finally grasp that when you're finally able to understand that you're not living to like hey I need to do all these good things to get to God you realize you're already there you're going to do good things because he's forgiven you for the things you've done I think God's going to need to take some time to forgive all the stuff that I've done. I don't think so. I, I got a flash drive that I've really been waiting. I'm like, hey, all these things, I've been loading up to this flash drive. Yep. Yes, that was a flash drive reference on a podcast. Hey, look, the Bible's full of uh, God's people who are murderers and adulterers, having, you know, all kinds of things. Like, there's there's nothing new under the sun, and the Bible's a good example of that. If you just read through some of the stories in there, like, there's really awful things happening. That There needs to be, like, a hood Bible or, like, an Ebonics Bible. I would They totally have like, that. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to read it. 
I, I'd read that Bible. I don't know about the efficacy of those translations, <laughs> but... Well, like some like the message translation, it's uh, a lot of people bash on the message translation, but like Eugene Peterson, who who did that, I mean, very smart guy, put the Bible... A lot of criticism you get from people is like, well, how do you want me to read the Bible? Like, it's hard to read. And yeah, like Leviticus and all those books in the Old Testament, they're difficult to read, but um, yeah, there's... <laughs> To me, to me, the Bible is hard to read because I can't identify the type of language they use or like even the way they set things up. Like sometimes even when I do go to church with Michael, I'm like, my comprehension skills aren't, you know, well, it comes, takes time. It takes time. But it comes back to CrossFit. So my first day at CrossFit, you tell me to do a 20 minute AMRAP where I'm doing HSPU and <laughs> T2B. Like, I don't know what any of that stuff hispos? means. Yeah. Like, what, are, what am I doing here? It, this so. looks like chemistry. So yeah, I, I yeah I need to walk what I talk and 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 I'm totally open to that and I feel like this conversation had maybe sparked something good within within me. But so here's a question I would have for you. Oh like, gosh, now we're flipping this group. We've talked a lot. Okay, like do you think that I'm I can't be your friend because of the things you've done? Well, or am I would, like it's, we, it's cool, dude? We like, wouldn't be friends if that was the case. We've been doing this shit for almost a year now. I know, but that's just what I'm saying. Like you're like God can't forgive me. He can't no. look at who I am and say, "Oh, you're I'm fine with you." But I, like I, I think that I, I totally tolerate at a you. Cer- <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> at a certain point in my life, maybe let's say two or three years ago, I would have been so put off by even like knowing that you were religious or knowing that you were a pastor, like being like, okay. I'm not worthy of these guys. Like I'm not in the same place they are. Like we're not, our lifestyles aren't similar. Like I'm not as good as these folks are. But I think as I'm getting older, it's like we've got more in common than I think. Like we are both all struggling with the same struggles a lot of the time as men and as people, just normal humans. So I'm now open to that conversation and now more open and kind of open with my idea of faith and my idea of being knowing what a man is and knowing what a normal human struggles with to be friends with you and to be normal and be able to, you know, still be myself around you, which is kind of funny because I'm still kind of, you know, I have to say a lot of curse words. It's, it's fine. Where's that in the Bible too? I need to double check that curse words. <laughs> yeah. Are they, is there like, is there like a section of the Bible table of contents to say, don't say these words? Nope. No. All right. Well, I guess I won't. I would have just dropped an F bomb, but I just feel like we've gone so far in the other direction. I'd feel kind of bad, but like, ooh, you just went too far. Yeah, now, now you <laughs> cannot be forgiven of all your sins. Yeah, exactly. Just we are doing so good. I don't want to ruin it. So who's still with us now? I mean, like the hardcore. You'd be like, surprised. Just people. You'd be, I'm sure. Yeah, you'd be surprised that people are going to identify identify with this episode. And if and, and if you're turned off by this episode, hey man, they're not all going to be for you. And maybe this is the challenge to go inside and do some work and figure out what you believe yeah. like don't believe everything you read on the internet and don't be like don't let your opinions be your identity well and yes and also be willing to be uncomfortable in search of that like mike said they sat for 20 minutes outside thinking maybe we won't go into crossfit but they went they learned it they've developed and now they're hosting your workout in their garage <laughs> with this awesome rogue equipment here i will say like maybe one of the last things on this pod is that we like <laughs> to for you two men to to somehow come into my life is almost like a sign. I think the big man is like, hey, like I'm gonna send you Michael. He's a good dude. He's a solid man. He'll he'll kind of reach one, teach one, and then I then I meet Mike, who's similar man of religion, like solid dad, solid human, bro. Like I was like, there's a reason why these two people have been brought to me in my life at this moment. So 
call it what you want, call it God, call it the universe. There's a reason why you two have come to me in this time. And I so. mean, we both finished at the bottom of the open standings <laughs> at our gym. So Another I mean, similarity. Yeah, we can't teach you anything about CrossFit. That's right. All right, Mike, we're going to finish this thing up, wrap it up. We usually like to end this with someone saying something that they really is on their heart or what they think people need to know. We mean to put you uh, kind of in some pressure, but he seems like he's prepared. He's got something pulling out of his phone. No, because you're going to have me give a quote. You're going to drop freestyles like, just yeah. son. Like he, yeah, he's already Matthew been. He's Mark already Luke been. John, son. <laughs> he's no, already been put okay. on the hot seat. So I yeah. don't have like a cute quote. Sorry. Oh, okay. None? No, not really. What? Okay. What is something that you have learned lately? I think not lately. It's to understand like everybody has like a story. So I think like uh, don't rush to judgment with people. It's uh, understand that everybody's got a background. Everybody had like something going on that day. Do a good job to try to understand that not everybody's on the same plane as you. Um, be somebody who administers grace to people. That administers the ability to show like, hey, if you mess up, it's okay. Um, I don't think I don't think we need to be people that are so rigid. Uh, even like this whole entire podcast, I could see like the feedback that's going to come from it is like I'm rigid, or whatever the case may be. It's it's not like that. We um, call those haters. Sure, we call them <laughs> haters, but um, Jesus had a couple of those too. He did. Uh, what What's crazy is a lot of Jesus's haters were the church people. Wow. So, um, boom. But yeah, I don't know. Just, I feel like we live in a society now that if you make one mistake, you're done. Yeah. Like one done, you're like out. Cancel culture for yeah, sure. Yeah, cancel culture. I feel like we need to cancel cancel culture. Whoa. You think that's possible? Yeah, cancel cancel culture? Yeah. No, I, I don't think like with social media and stuff. No, I don't think that stuff's possible. But yeah, moral um, indignation is like the new fad now. Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to get on, jump on him. But like who hasn't done some of the stuff that you're getting upset about right now? I mean, I, yeah, I think like, I think what I'm trying to get at is get to know people who are different from you. Um, if you're just walking in, in communities that are just like, now the people that you're tight knit with, I mean, they can be like-minded individuals. That's fine. But don't just limit yourself to that in life. Put yourself out there a little bit. If you listen to this podcast and, and you don't go to CrossFit, I don't know why you'd listen to this podcast, <laughs> but join, uh, figure that out. Like make changes in your life. Like where are you at now? And, uh, try to get yourself better. But what are the things that you're trying to get yourself better with? Wow. For not having a quote, that was pretty damn good. Well, that's good. not a quote. That's like, I don't know what that's, that, that is. was coming from the heart. That was straight from de corazón. That's right. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate having you. And, uh, man, I feel like I don't have to go to church tomorrow. Like, <laughs> right? I I'm feel good. like I just got baptized. <laughs> just <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for you, there's no churches open tomorrow, Michael. You guys got a hose out? Probably could do this real proper. Hose? There's a pool over well, there. That's where it's we closed, though. COVID. They don't like to be called that, first of all. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's end this. Love you guys. Mean it. Mean it.